Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Y'all know who I am. What's good? Welcome back to the Pop-Off Podcast, a conversation show about the NBA. This is The Microwave. I'm your host, Ralph Campagnano. And I'm joined by the chef in the kitchen, Barter Ferriman, a.k.a. Barter Six, a Carter Ferriman of Boulder Weekly, the specialist over there, big-time project manager. What's poppin', Barter? You ready to talk some hoops? I am so excited. We have another season yep. in our pocket. And, uh, yeah, there's some exciting stuff to chat about. I'm in the land of the champions right now, mm. Denver, Colorado. And they look better than they looked last year, which is scary, scary, scary. But I'm sure we're going to get into the Nuggets. I am so stoked. Uh, yeah, man. Let's just start yep. anywhere. It, it wouldn't be a basketball podcast if we didn't talk about the Nuggets. This is not first take. This is not first things first. Chris Broussard will not be calling anybody the R word today. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> That was crazy, by the way. Like He like just dropped the N word right at Nick Wright and then followed it up by calling somebody the R word. And he's talking about James Harden. Wild. So the NBA season doesn't start until James Harden demands a trade. And he finally got dealt to the Los Angeles Clippers for, I mean, what was it? Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, a couple of picks were in there. A Terrence Mann was not involved in the deal. Yeah, a whole slew of just rotation players. And hopefully the Sixers can kind of package that to maybe go get somebody else that will be in a better supporting role than them. But Harden's on the Clippers now, so he got his wish. Why did he want to leave Philly so bad? Because the Daryl Morey incident, I was explaining it to a date last night. Like, hey, these two guys used to be like best friends. Um, Morey and him kind of started this like analytical movement, the heliocentric movement, all of this kind of stuff. And then the next thing you know, instead of having – a strip club sign that reads happy birthday, James Harden. It reads Daryl Morey is a liar. And she kind of loved that. She was like, Ooh, I like this petty King. Tell me more about him. Like, well, he also like maybe wore a fat suit and she's like, God, this guy's the man. So the ladies have a higher approval rating of James Harden than we do, but how does he fit realistically and logistically on this Clippers team? Because you have Westbrook there, ball dominant guy who's adapted a little bit since he's been dealt there from the Lakers. Then you also have Kawhi and PG. Is this a fever dream? Is it a pipe dream for the Clippers to actually be contenders with him? Or do you think there is a recipe where it's like, oh, fuck, this could actually be scary? Oh, God. I mean, I'm going to go with my gut and say, yep. uh, like, how could it possibly fit? Right? There are so many cooks in the kitchen on this team. And I feel like I say that with almost every team that Harden finds himself on. I said that when he was first on the Sixers, even though I thought that was probably the best possible fit for him at the yes. time. Uh, and I think uh, that's even more so the case when we're talking about the Clippers here. Um, we've seen Russ and Harden play together, but completely different iterations of James, right? I think Russ has kind of kept his game relatively the same from his time on the Rockets, too. Uh, yeah, like he's just sort of lost a couple of steps between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I don't know if it's going to fit well. The West is going to be very tough. Uh, you know, I see a first or second round exit for them, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to the future. Uh, just as long as Kawhi can stay on the court, they can go as far as they want to here. Right. And this is an instance where they're losing so much depth here, but they already have a lot of depth. Like they don't lose Norman Powell in the deal. They don't lose man or Zubats or anything like that. But for the Sixers, like they've looked so good without Harden. Like they're Absolutely. just like pushing the pace a lot faster. Like Maxi is averaging like 30 and five and five right now, shooting like 55% from the field and 50 from three. Like he is just taking that next step. And 
that was my biggest thing with James was like from a basketball standpoint, is there a better like fit for him than Philly? I mean, they, now that they're pushing the pace, it looks like there is a better fit for him somewhere else, but maybe he didn't fit on that team. But like the Embiid pick and roll was so deadly. We were so excited about it when it initially happened. You know, they almost made it to the conference finals last year, but they don't quite get there. But it's just, it's just another example of like, it's amazing that he somehow got his way because he always does. Right? And it doesn't make any sense to me. Like this was the only team that he said he wanted to go play for. And somehow he fucking ended up there. Like that it's doesn't like a make any sense with the cool parents, right? <laughs> the cool he parents. bitches and he moans and he always gets his way. Daryl Morey. Yeah. He fucks with them a lot. And I think even if it means letting him go do his own thing, got to do what you got to do. I got to go my own way. Right. Yeah. Let's move into a more positive thing. So we're going to have, we're going to call this the rule of threes. Every episode of the microwave, we will have three different categories that we go through Um, our league pass popper offers. So these are our three favorite teams to watch on league pass. Everybody on the pop-up pod that's going to be on the microwave pretty much has league pass. We're basketball addicts. We're crack fiends. We're dope fiends. We're all of those things (laughs) when it comes to hoops. And then we have the, what you do is very baller category where we're going to highlight another three players, a superstar. So somebody that's probably going to make an all NBA team a starter or a critical rotation player because the league is so deep right now that we have to highlight these seventh and eighth guys like Christian Brown and guys like that. And then the third category is our young guy. So I call it the, the underage dunkers, the guys who are you know below 18, 19, 20 years old in that range, highlighting them. And then we also have the microwaver of the week. So just one hot take that you could hear from Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp on any given morning, we're going to come up with one of those. I kind of want to preview mine right now because we're talking about the Clippers. So before we go into league pass popper offers, I think go it's, I don't want to say 50, 50, but I think there is a high likelihood that the Clippers don't even make the playoffs. Now, the reason I say Why this is, is because of the health. And I think that Morris Covington and all of these guys that they are going to be missing, they're going to be at uh, Kenyon Martin jr. Was in that deal. I thought he was actually going to play like a pretty pivotal role for them this year. I like Ty Lue as a coach, but if he has to rely on like Jason Preston and Amir Coffey and Zubats because Kawhi and PG only play a collective 60 games, and then it's just Westbrook and Harden. Like Westbrook and Harden were successful in Houston three or four years ago together because that was three or four years ago, and I don't think that they're the same players anymore. And I think I, the more that I think about it, it's just like what Harden really needs is an MB. Like he led the league in assists last year because he had Embiid on a pick and roll. It's not because he was dealing to Tobias Harris on the wing. Like that's not his strong suit. Like he hasn't played with like really good wings like this since KD on the Thunder. Like Kawhi and PG is an adjustment. Maybe it makes it easier for him. Maybe it opens more driving lanes. I don't know, but that's kind of my my microwave of the week is I could Without see that. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Let's say that. I would not be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. Without a doubt, yeah. And just to add on to that a bit, Tyron Lue thrives when he has a lot of depth. Sure. And he gave up a ton of pieces, chess pieces, uh, guys that he was able to play alongside PG in the run when they didn't have Kawhi, what, two, three seasons back, maybe two seasons back? Yes. Three seasons back? They have familiarity um, with these guys. Yes. Jaden Preston uh, being on the court for them, guys like that, who I think are ballers, sure, but like they just aren't prepared to play major minutes in a playoff game. Uh, and that is going to be expected of them now. And if any of these kinks in the chain happen to break Russ Harden, Kawhi PG which as we've seen in the past these guys like to get hurt <laughs> um, no shit uh, you know Tyron Lue is going to have a lot on his plate Zubats is going to be having to score 25 in a 
playing game, which maybe he can. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 25 and 20 from Zoo. Um, yeah, I think it's all it all hinges on Kawhi, honestly. Like we talked about him on the top 25 players pod, but fuck me, he was so good in that first round against Phoenix. And then once he stumbled, they stumbled. Um, but let's get right into it. Our league pass popper offers. Should we go three to one or one to three here? Let's go one to three because okay. I really want to talk about the first two teams. I'm giddy. Yeah, oh. I am too. Go ahead. Oklahoma City Thunder, number one. No they pun are, intended. They are the fucking best. They're living up to every expectation. They're beating teams. Like they're going out and beating ass. And I think that they're, I'm not going to say the word contender, but they're at least in tier B for the Western Conference. Like they're right up there with like, um, they're probably up there with the Warriors. I would say they're just as competitive as the Warriors in the Western Conference. They're not, I think Nuggets are tier one. And then the second tier would be like Lakers, Suns. And then tier three, I would have Warriors, Clippers, and honestly, the Thunder. They're fucking awesome. Shea is, he's a top 10 player in the league. We had him on there and he's fucking proven it. This dude's going to be 30 again this year. And then Chet is just a revelation. Like if I, I am a gambling man, I'm going to put a significant amount of money on him to win rookie of the year. He looks I, I love he's going to do it, but he's fucking lighting it up from three. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. This team, you can go down the line pretty much like one to six. And there is something about each of the guys that play 25 plus for this team that truly excites me. Uh, Lou Dort lockdown D right. Shea is one of the purest five tool guys in the league. Mm. Um, Chad is awesome. Who am I? Uh, Josh is a pure facilitator and he's got such a weird game that I just love to watch. Um, this team beat the shit out of my bulls in the first game. <laughs> I don't know why I was expecting anything else. I don't know why the line was the bulls to win by one. Yeah. Uh, I know Martian sent a text into the chat saying, why don't we all put something on this fade? My favorite team in the first game. I obviously didn't, but I should have because the thunder are here to play this year. Uh, yeah, I think you're spot on with kind of where they should be this season. Where the Warriors was, well, so the Warriors finished as the sixth seed last yep. year, or am yep. I off? Yeah, so, yeah, the, so the Kings are in that range too, I think. They might be even tier two with the Lakers and the Suns, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll put the Kings a little bit higher than those teams just because of how they performed in the fourth quarter and in yep. overtime. Um, but uh, yeah, like how they've been able to finish out games. Um, yeah, uh, well, we I haven't even mentioned the name Jalen Williams board. yet. Like, Jalen Williams is a fucking dog, dude. Like, that's a yeah, guy man. where second-year jump, like, he's ready for it. And the other he thing... big over the summer, too, man. Huge. I don't know if you saw that photo. Bicep curls for, like... <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude. I love that the NBA is bringing back biceps, dude. he's been in the gym dude. with, man. He's been in the gym with Andrew Tate, dude, <laughs> hitting those gains, doing a little bit of kickboxing, dude. I saw the calves on him. Wow. I yeah, want to say dude. that's the, the second Andrew Tate reference in a pop-up pod conversation in two days, so we need to chill out on that guy. Um, but, yeah, no, they're bringing back biceps and triceps to the NBA with him and Desmond Bain. Um, but yeah. the other other thing is is that we, you said top six, right? Like, they're top yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, so, um, compete with yeah. Anybody. So just to kind of finish my thought there, I think if they finish as the sixth seed where the Warriors were last year, if you look up the record for what the Warriors did, I think if they can get to that point, sure. um, evade the play-in tournament, and, you know, like be that team that plays the three seed in the first round, thumbs up for the Thunder. Thumbs up. Yeah, because, like, everything right now is gravy for them. They're not supposed to be competing at this level yet, but they're ahead of schedule. And then you look at the Instagram graphic that pops up on your timeline once a week. It's like they have 27 first round picks in the next five drafts. And it's like, Jesus Christ, every <laughs> other pick is going to be the fucking thunder. But they can 
essentially group those picks together with one of their other young players. Like if it's Trey Mann, let's say somebody needs a backup guard that can get some buckets, that's an option. Usman Jang, who's showed some potential. If anybody yeah. has hopes for Poku still, like you could group two first-round picks with one of those guys to a team like the Bulls, for example. Like say that they're trying to have a fire sale and Levine becomes on the table. Then the Thunder could just like outbid anybody for one of these players because like all right so i play 2k a lot right and i love rebuilding franchises the thunder are almost a cheat code because you have so many picks and they're so valuable they like always are like three stars so like if they really wanted to like they're just like hey jalen green we like what he's bringing to the table he doesn't seem very happy in houston because fucking dylan brooks is there and he's chewing him out every goddamn day he's not responding to Adoka. maybe he'll respond to mark dagnall Maybe he likes to play us alongside Shea. Something like that, right? Like there's still so much optionality here with the assets that they have. And Sam Presti, I mean, the Harden trade is probably what he's going to be remembered for for a long time. But once they finally get that chip, and I think that this team, this franchise can win a championship sometime in the next four to five years. Like I really believe that. I think wow. that they're, they're that, the talent that they've accumulated that is that That could be special. the hot take for you. Yeah. Is that no. that crazy though? Because like Shea's gonna be a top ten player. You need one of those. See, Chet could get to a top twenty five, top thirty player because he is. That's just my basketball brain saying like, how could any other team take home the Nuggets. A title besides yeah. the ones that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I think last year kind of proved it that if you build from the inside and you do it right, good things will happen. And uh, yeah, like I am starting to see a bit of a Nuggets trajectory for them. I don't know if Shea will ever get to the Jokic no. tier, but. Yeah, I mean, nobody does. So let's talk about Denver. That's the other team that we have right here. So I had the Thunder. You also had the Thunder. But we also want to talk about the Nuggets because for some reason, they're just still they're still not getting the pub that they deserve, man. Like, what else do they need to do? They won the chip. They fuck everybody up that they play. They look like the best team in basketball. What is it about them that's different this year? Like they lost Bruce Brown and it doesn't seem like they've lost a step. Is it other guys taking a step up or is it just the confidence that breeds from winning a chip. Bruce Brown's been solid for the Pacers, too. He has been. We'll talk about out them, the too. gates. But uh, this is why I think the Nuggets are one of the scariest teams coming out the gates that I think I've ever seen since I started watching basketball, to be honest with you. Um, you see a lot of teams win the championship and cruise there and then get really comfortable in the offseason, come out and like start to get a little bit chill and uh, you know, like think that the game plan is just going to work. Uh, the Nuggets are still pissed off, uh, which is scary when you are unanimously the best team in the league as it currently stands. I don't see any way that they don't finish as the one seed in the West. Um, they play perfect basketball on do. the offensive end. And I think the defense has become more polished. Peyton Watson being introduced to the rotation. This guy blocks shots and gets in front of people. He is built like... Kawhi, I mean, like, he obviously does not have even close to the scoring touch and the scoring ability, but the way that he plays D, where he just flies, it's like, you've got him out there, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., who plays defense when he wants to, but he's so big. Yeah. Like you've, they have so many guys surrounding the best passer, one of the better passers in the history of the sport, that are so fast and tall, that it's like uh, the defense, we are, like, we are already seeing clear improvement. Uh, I don't think that the offense has to change much at all. Um, one thing that I was talking about with Turner yesterday that we're already seeing is Reggie Jackson for them has become more of a focal point. 
Right. And I was talking to Turner uh, last year during the playoffs because Reggie Jackson wasn't getting a lot of minutes. They got him and Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, I never thought he was going to be a solid fit for the team. But uh, Reggie, I always felt was pretty good. But I knew that it probably wasn't going to take shape until the start of this year if they ended up holding on to him. Because I think he needed an offseason to work with Coach Mike to uh, run the second team offense. Uh, And if he can buy into being a true point guard and like not just a guy that's always score first, which I think it's going to be tough for him. That's going to be a scary second unit. Uh, Christian Brown is so smart as the off-ball two-guard. Uh, just top to bottom, they're finally playing Zeke Najee, uh, which I think is a clear representation of patience being a virtue. I thought the guy sucked for like three years, four <laughs> years, but like he's finally starting to fit into the mold. And uh, I mean, that'll tend to happen when you get three years behind a guy like Nikola Jokic, right? Um, this team is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and I don't know who could possibly stop them. I love know? the Reggie Jackson point because I think there is a very thin line between positional redundancy and positional familiarity. If he can just be like 60% of Jamal for that second unit and play that role, that's all he needs to do, right? Be yourself, but like try to fill what Jamal does. Like we don't need you to be heliocentric, but we need you to move without the ball and attack closeouts and just be Reggie Jackson because like he was a really talented young cat with the Thunder. Like we had a lot of like hopes for him. There was a lot of promise and he never really got to that level that we wanted him to. But as long as you're contributing to a winning team, that's all that matters. And Christian Brown, I think he's filling the Bruce Brown role. Ironically, like I saw somebody comp him to like just diet, very white vanilla yogurt, Andre Iguodala, and I kind of love that. Like, <laughs> sure. not not Sixers Andre Iguodala, but like Warriors Andre Iguodala, where it's you know knock down, catch and shoot threes, play really solid defense on the ball and off the ball, always in the right spot, constantly cutting. That's the thing I love about the Nuggets is there's no stagnancy whatsoever in their offense, and they're just they're a fucking delight to watch. All right, number two, another team that's a delight to watch, fast paced team. This team likes to mm. score. They like to get the ball before. Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. They're just one piece away from like actually kind of being the thunder of the Eastern Conference, I think. Like I like Matherin. I love Miles Turner, what he's doing so far this year. And then Halliburton. And then you have guys like Nemhard. Neesmith has taken a step up. I think he had like 26 last night. He uh, responded to some tweet from Bleacher Report when the Pacers and Celtics made the Brogdon trade. And it was like a meme of what the Pacers gave up or what the Celtics gave up to go get Brogdon. And it was SpongeBob holding out his hand and it was a paperclip and rope. And then the Neesmith like was kind of petty about it. He was like, Oh yeah, that's what you think of me. Well, motherfucker, guess who just blew up and he's a knockdown shooter. And then you got buddy healed. So I really like what they're doing. And then obviously Bruce Brown as well. So this is, they're just one of those teams. You turn them on and there's a fucking fast break going on. They're like seven seconds or less. And Halliburton is constantly pushing up the ball before he reminds me so much of Lonzo where it's just, there's no selfishness. He doesn't need to dribble the ball. If he sees somebody ahead of them and they have an advantage of a two-on-one or a three-on-two, he's fucking rifling it up the side of the court and they're getting an advantage in numbers. And I think they're one piece away. I really do. I don't know if anybody's going to sign in Indiana. Like The fact that Bruce Brown went there was for the bag more than it was for going to live in Indianapolis. But if they could get one more trade or if they're that high on their own future that they would trade a first-round pick for somebody, I'd say go fucking do it because Halliburton's that special. Right. 
Yeah, no, that was actually, I was going to ask you a question. Uh, and like, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but Good what boy. do you think would be a perfect fit and a realistic fit? Like, so, like someone who would come play for the Pacers on a pretty sizable contract, because I don't know what the payroll is for them, but payroll doesn't really fucking matter in the NBA in the year 2023. So like, who's a guy that you think they would have to add? Like, is it like a true three or like a true four? I think what it's a true two. I think it's a true, a true two shooting guard. Okay. So like it, it it won't be this guy, but the guy that came to mind initially and they won't trade him because they love him. There is somebody like Desmond Bain or Anthony hmm. Simons. I think Simons would probably be a better fit. If the trailblazers like what they see from scoot, which they probably don't so far, he hasn't looked great. Somebody sent a text in our fantasy basketball chat about him having like 25 combined turnovers and thousand 22 points so far in his first three games. Not great. But if it's somebody like Simons, who's just a pure bucket getter and all they need him to do is go get buckets. Cause like buddy is a great three point shooter, but he's not an isolation player or anything like that. And maybe Simon's slows down the pace a little bit, but maybe they need a little bit more balance. The other guy that came to mind was somebody like Jalen Brown, but the Celtics just gave him $3 billion. So they're not planning to trade him anytime soon. Um, but somebody somebody in, in that mold. Right. And maybe like a power forward that can, run the court and can facilitate their defense. I know nobody is Draymond, but somebody like Draymond, that's just like, that's facilitating that role because I don't think they have that yet. Somebody has some, somebody, somebody that has some shit to them. That's what I love with players. Somebody that has some fucking grind, some grit and some just like, I'm going to cuss your mom out after this game type shit. Seriously. Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton is one of my favorite players in the league. I took him sixth overall in our fantasy draft. Uh, he kind of reminds me of like a modern medicine version of Isaiah Thomas, like just the ability to score from just about anywhere. He's not the best shooter from three, but like putting the ball off of the backboard and just like, but he has some yeah. shit to him. He has some shit to him. He hit those three threes yeah, in man. a row against the Cavs the other night and said to some fan on the uh, sideline, he was like, you fucking did this. This is your fault. And I was like, Oh, Tyrese, I didn't know. Yeah, you man, had he's this starting to, to get a little bit of an edge to him. Huh? Hell yeah. yeah. But yeah, and then just on the defensive end, too, like, he is a quiet killer. Uh, clamps guys down, does it with a smile on his face. I am excited to see where he can go. Him and SGA are the two guys where it's like we are watching two really special true point guards, right? Yes. Guys that can do just about all the things on the court. So Five to a player. I love that term. Um, all right, number three, we have Brooklyn and Detroit. Which one do you want to talk about first? Pistons? Uh, let's talk about the Nets. Okay. So we'll just spo- I'll just spoil it right now. My what you do is very baller. The starter critical rotation guys, Camp Thomas, and I look at Brooklyn's roster. And I was hooping last night with some buddies before we hopped on our call, and we were just listing off three and D players for the Nets: Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Thomas, uh, Cam Johnson. Um, they have a few others: Spencer Dinwiddie. They're not all coming to mind, but essentially what they've done is they've taken Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton and then like nine, three and D guys. Like they even drafted Derek Whitehead from Duke who I love. And I think he's going to be a good NBA player. Shout out hashtag Duke in the NBA. Shout out Derek. Yeah. Um, but I got a guy like that. Who's going to be a three and D stud and that's just their identity now. And I'm not sure if they're going to be competitive in the East, but I like watching them because they seem like they have some kind of identity where it's, Cam Thomas ISOs and then everybody else clears out. And then McHale still hasn't like played his best basketball yet. So once he starts getting on a roll, I think that they could play spoiler for a lot of teams. Like they could get to 40 to 45 wins, make the playing game, maybe the seven or eight seed in Eastern conference. 
and give somebody like Milwaukee five or six games in the first round. And that doesn't sound sexy, but that's something that you want from a team that's this young and that has this most promising potential because they're still figuring out who are our building blocks. We know it's Bridges. Could it be Cam Thomas? We know it's Cam Johnson, but who else, right? Like they're going to have the picks. They have some picks from Houston and the Harden deal. So I think they have a really bright future. And I don't think about that too much when I'm watching League Pass. I more think about, are you fun to watch play basketball right now? But I also have like that hint of like glamour in the back of my head where it's like, ooh, what could this be next year? Right, yeah. Brooklyn's such a difficult team to talk about. Um, yeah, because like I don't know where they're going to finish this season. Mikel is just such an incredible player. He is so exactly fun. what you want in a guy that you signed to a team. Cameron Thomas. Yeah, dude. He's only 22. Uh, I saw a stat. Um, today he's the second youngest player in the history of the league to open a season with three straight 30 plus point games the youngest at 21 was Shaq right really so like, wow I thought it was yeah, gonna be Luca okay interesting yep. yeah and uh Cameron Thomas uh yeah and I'm gonna call him by his full name um, Cameron, Cameron said to the media last year before he was starting he said to them to their faces made a promise that if he were to start, he would average 25 plus. Um, I, think I saw the stat. It was, it was, um, <laughs> he was, he was being humble because there was a ridiculous stat. It was the most career points per game as a starter. He's number one at 32 points. Per Isn't game. Now, that it's, ridiculous? It's a smaller sample size, but number two is Michael fucking Jordan no, at like 30.7. It's insane. This is the, this is the only thing that I'll say is we saw it last year. Um, I remember like he was picked up in almost every single fantasy league on the planet where he had that crazy run where he did it for like 15, 20 games. Yep. And then it kind of crashed um, where he was having games where he was going like, and I would have to fact check this way, two for 16, two for 17. Where, yep. like They were just horrible performances. I think if he can find a happy medium here, uh, you know, getting down to like between 20 and 25 points per game, uh, taking smarter shots um, and Letting the guys that are so smart surrounding him, like DFS and uh, Mikel, right, do their thing too, do what they're very solid at. Um, yeah, like I think they're starting to build something cool there. It's it's just nice to have not a clusterfuck there. Like I love the Katie and Kyrie experiment, but it just didn't work out. And to build this team, which is a lot less chaotic, but a lot less sexy, like in the media and stuff like that, I think it's good for Brooklyn. Like they don't need to for be sure. the center of attention or anything like that. Detroit. We don't got to talk about the Pistons. I'll be honest with you. I don't know why I. I just want to say, Cade looks awesome. That's really Cade looks it. fantastic. He looks really fucking good, and that's so good to see after what was it a meniscus or something like that last year that was bothering him. And then Jalen Duran, that is a grown fucking man for a twenty year old. Like he is young, young, and he is a. He baller. is the young guy that I have in the baller section. Yeah, he's the strongest person in the league that's not able to legally buy alcohol. Yeah. Like, for sure. I I'm mean, that freak. kid. Uh, yeah, I'm like, we can hop straight into the next section, we'll too, it. because I am excited to speak on him, man. Yeah, so what you do is very baller. We took this from Timothy Chalamet in Ladybird when Sir Sharon and him <laughs> were having a conversation. Yeah. And uh, he said, you're very anarchist. What you do is very baller. I fucking love that. So we'll clip that in here. Um, our superstar. We don't. Ha- I don't have to talk too much about Luca because what he's doing right now speaks for itself. And it's kind of boring to talk about superstars. Like we did it for, if you want to go hear our thoughts on Luca, listen to the top 25 NBA players pod. But him right now is just, 
it's nice to see him come into the season in shape. I'll say that. Like, (laughs) it's just nice to see that, like, he has an attitude this year. And he always has, but it's kind of, I say this to my players all the time as a coach. It's not always what you say, it's how you say it. So I have a kid on my team who was kind of the most vocal player on our team this summer. And I love that he was vocal because I challenged them to be vocal, communicate. That's what everything is. Like, that's the reason we're on a fucking podcast right now. It's the reason I got my job. It's the reason I talked to, it's whatever, right? So it's all of those things, but it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So the things that he was saying, he'd say it in kind of like a whiny, tingy voice, and he's corrected that. And now he's saying it like in a more encouraging and confident and proud way than anything Look else. Look at you, coach. You know yeah. it, baby. That, that's the fucking life right there. But that's what yeah, I'm that's seeing good. from Luca this Speak year. Because it used to purpose, just be, right? Yes, yeah. it used to just Seriously. be whining to the refs. But now he's like communicating to his teammates, to his coaches, to like Kyrie, to fucking Seth Curry, to Derek Lively. Like it's all positive right now in Dallas. And I expected this season to be a clusterfuck. But he's proven me wrong right now. And I fucking love that. I'm really happy for him right now. Huka Doncic is gone. Yeah, Huka. no. Yeah, like that was kind of a chill off season. Yeah, I don't know if he was taking the sport particularly seriously the past couple of years. Right? Sure, he and was still getting so 38 good. and 8. Yeah. And I think Joker, who is the other guy that we have up here, is a very good example of what can happen if you do take the sport. Well, I say that, but he treats it like it's a nine to five fucking job, right? So, no, yeah, these two guys that we have up here um, are, you know, the greatest, some of the greatest players that I've ever seen in my life, and I think that goes without saying. Straight um, up, the sky is the limit, and Luca can get to pretty close or near what Joker has been able to accomplish. Uh, I have him as the MVP this year. Um, yeah, like if he keeps it up. Uh, I think if Kyrie finds a way to figure it out and like really mold into this squad, uh, the coach that they have down there has been so good. Kid is great. Um, I thought he was like liable for a first coach fired, but he's done really well. Another thing about their coaching staff, they have God sham God on their coaching staff now. Just Do they really? Like, yeah. He's like their offensive assistant That's or so something hot. like that. That's it's so, so fucking sexy, dude. Because it's like <laughs> they were doing the um they're preparing for Wemby, and he was the guy that had like the elongated arms. And like we'll do that in practice, like finish over this elongated arm kind of thing. They did two of them instead of one of them to exaggerate like what Wemby's gonna be like on contests, and it was just hilarious. It's like that's God sham God. Like that's one of the best pickup players of all time, right there. So yeah. Um all right. Yeah. Yeah, I've got one more thing on the Mavericks. Since no, you're good. We're on them. Uh, one thing that I hated was that they gave up DFS. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was perfect for the team. The Kyrie Irving trade always kind of confused me, but I think Norman Powell stepped up uh, into the role where like he has become kind of the do-it-all guy for that team. And so to see him step into the role where you know he's playing 30 minutes, right? Uh Seeing him do that has been good. So yeah, Dwight Powell's not a box score guy, Powell. but he's always like eight point six boards, just right around yeah. there, block and a half, always in the right position. Um, all right, starter, critical rotation player. We already talked about Camp Thomas. Who is your starter? That what they do is very baller. A guy that kind of surprised me. Uh, I knew that the Raptors said that he was going to be the starter, uh, especially dealing away Fred to the Rockets, Fred yep. Van Vliet. But Schroeder has really impressed me. Uh, what I had said to you prior to starting the podcast is I can tell that he was on the Lakers the previous season uh, and he took a lot of notes. Um, the way he's been able to pass, I got to pull up the stats here. I think the assists through four games are like seven, 10, 10, and nine. Mm. Um, Schroeder has never struck me as a pass first 
point guard, uh, but he's fit into the role very quickly. Uh, I picked him up on my fantasy team, and I know I'm bringing up the fantasy team quite a bit here, but these are the guys that I've been following. <laughs> yeah, so, literally, yeah, right? literally. But uh, yeah, this is really Schroeder's first chance to be a leader um, alongside guys like Scotty Barnes and OG, who, you know, he's a really quiet guy, so like he doesn't really give off leader vibes uh but Schroeder yeah no this could be a really cool season for him and one that I didn't really expect okay the thing about him is that we talked yeah. so much about guys like Anthony Edwards Tyrese Halliburton coming off of the FIBA experience and being a lot more confident we never mentioned Dennis Schroeder I mean he fucking balled for Germany like he was a threat and I love I the Lakers stats it was just it was the attitude it was like I'm the I'm going to get Franz involved. I'm going to make sure that he's happy. And that's what he's doing with Pascal right now. Like there's a direct correlation between that, which I love. And then I like what their coaching staff is doing too. Like you lose Nick Nurse, but then um, Adrian Griffin's with the Raptors. Who's the, who's the coach or with the Bucks? Who's the coach of the Raptors right now? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, dude. I was actually going to ask you the question while I was going on the Schroeder tangent. I have absolutely no clue. Yeah. It'll come, it'll come to me. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, he has just been so different right because like i think he started his career as a facilitator and then moved into this lightning bolt score first guard but the fact that he can go back to those older ways and kind of reinvent himself that's the biggest thing with these especially with how deep the league is now you have to be able to reinvent yourself if it's not working as well because people are going to catch up there's going to be rookies coming in that gms are excited about and they will replace you in the fucking snap of a finger like it's like that Schroeder, on the other hand, he's a fucking hyper-competitive freak, and I love that. Oh, my God. Like, he's a dog. He's got that shit to him. So He's I, always been that way, too. Yeah. And the, the Raptors is more fun to watch this year. Like, the mm-hmm. Van Vliet experience, like, it got a little bit old. It got stale, but now they have Grady Dick, Gary Trent Jr. as their guards, and then they're bringing out guys like Precious again, and um, they still have uh, Chris Boucher, and then Pascal's obviously terrific, and then you have Pirtle. So I like watching them way more than I did last year. They're going to make – Offense tough for quite a few teams yes. in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yeah, and so right now Schroeder's averaging 15, 9, and 3. And I don't think that really changes. I think it could even go up because he's going to be the starter all season as the point guard. Uh, and they're playing him 34 per game. So uh, I am in Schroeder's corner all season. Uh, I think it's a fun one that is not going to get a lot of credit just because it's Dennis Schroeder on the Raptors, right? Who like might finish in the play-in, right? At best. Uh, I don't have super high expectations for the Raptors, but yeah, no. Schroeder could put together a nice little season. So their head coach is Darko Rakotovich. I've never heard of this yeah. guy in my life. Um, I thought he was like the head coach of the Serbian team, but I don't yeah. think he was. It says he's Serbian. I He was an assistant for the Grizzlies last year, so... They couldn't have paid more than like a couple hundred bucks for him <laughs> to be their coach. Let's see here. Damn, the Europeans. What did he do? <laughs> the Europeans aren't even just taking over like the players in the NBA. They're taking over the COVID, over the coaching staff. We're fucked. I have no chance. Yeah, no. Be head coach now because guys like Darko Seriously. are coming in. Um, all right, who we already talked about these young guys a little bit. Um, what they do is very baller. That's Chet Holmgren and Jalen Duran. They played uh, last night, Detroit and Oklahoma ooh, City. Ooh, yeah. And it's it's going to be tough for Duran to guard guys like Chet on the perimeter, but as far as rim protection, I don't say this name lightly because I remember how good he was in the late 2000s. Dwight. Dwight. Yeah. He has some Dwight to him defensively, dude. Like Maybe it's just the bolder shoulders, 
and the freakish leaping ability. But I think it's Almost also like, it, yeah, it is. It's like there. It's also the instincts. That's what separates mm. these guys. That's what makes Kawhi Kawhi. It's the instincts, and like you cannot teach those things. But the other thing about Durant is offensively, they like will treat him like Bam. Like they'll put him at the elbow and do like scissor cuts off of him, and he'll just drop back. Play it like the free throw line. Yeah, what the fuck? I thought thought he was just gonna be Javale McGee offensively, but he has way more to him than that. He's a smart, smart kid. Uh, You can tell that he sees the ball come off of the backboard. Um, Yeah, he's great point. Boards just come to him, right? Uh, Yeah, I do like the D12 comparison. I think he's got a little less strength. He has to grow into his body a bit more, which is insane to say because he's already (laughs) so big. But, dude, he's got speed, man. He's fast. Yeah, like, he's got, like, the size. I think he's, like, 6'10", 6'11", maybe. But, uh, yeah, no, like, yeah, like, it's almost odd to say that I think he's got, like, a wirier frame for being so big. It's like he's kind of both at once. Yeah. He's got one of the most unique bodies that I've seen in the league. Pause. But yeah, yeah like he looks good. If, if yeah. you Google the term ripped, he should come up. Like he's right? just, he's vascular. He's just like one big throbbing big heart. Ben top. is another guy that kind of comes to mind for me too. Ben uh, Wallace, yes. Yeah, just like, yep. Strong, fast guys. Uh, yeah, if he can play the BAM role. He just got compared wow. to Dwight Howard and Ben Wallace on the same podcast. That's you better be fucking fun. start listening to this. Um, all right, and I think the thing about Chet is actually – the biggest compliment that I can pay to him is I don't know who to compare him to. He's not Perzingis. He's not KD. He's kind of his own one of one thing, which I think is like, like Cooper flag just committed to Duke. I think he looks at Chet. Congratulations. Like, Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, hashtag Duke in the NBA. Hashtag Duke in the NCAA. Hashtag Duke in the ACC. Um, <laughs> hashtag Duke in the high school ranks. Um, but I just think that it's there's gonna be a lot of guys coming in the league like this that are hyper skilled six foot ten players. Chet's probably like seven foot one and like a seven six wingspan. But there's gonna be a lot of guys like this that look at Chet as kind of the foundation to follow because he did everything right. He didn't rush himself back, and the Thunder didn't rush him back last year to get on the court. You know, he took the injury seriously, and he got bigger. And also his hair. I'm fucking loving the beard and hair combo from him. He looked like a dork at Gonzaga, like completely bald faced, kind of looked like just a nerd out there that was just awkward and lanky. But now he's kind of owning up to it a little bit. He's like, I'm going to get a beard. I'm going to put on 15 to 20 pounds. And he looks good out there. Like he does not look awkward. He looks like an NBA player. And he's fucking yeah. moving it, dude. He's, he's the kind of guy that can get you five threes and five blocks in a game. There aren't many of those in NBA history, and he's one of them. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to add to chat. I've been in his corner since he was picked by the thunder uh because they're a fantastic team fun to watch hard to hate and he's a hard guy to hate too um yeah i'm in his corner man and i think i've said that quite a bit during the podcast but uh yeah i am a chat guy for sure okay so to revisit our microwave of the week mine what did i say so i had the clippers potentially being 50 50 on making the playoffs and then the thunder can win a championship in the next five to six years i think those are both those aren't the hottest ones in the world. We'll try to come up with hotter ones moving forward. This is our first episode of the microwave. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got yeah. one. Okay, go for it. Sure. Uh, Torch me. You know, because I'm an optimistic person and I love, I uh, cheers to good health. Um, I think the Pelicans are going to be a top three seed in the West. <laughs> You're playing with fucking fire, dude. Okay, yeah, so, man, fuck it. So what, they were the and, one uh, seed entering January once again, last year? Once again. 
Go Once ahead. again, Talk going back to my fantasy team, I picked Zion because I want him to be healthy so bad. Right? He's healthy. He's very I, uh, healthy. Yeah, man. I just, I saw the way that they played. I did. And I was a believer that they were going to finish the season as a top three seed last year. But then we saw people getting hurt. Yep. Uh, I just hope that this team finds a way to let Zion rest because I think the organization and the coach gets excited when he's on the court and it's like, how do you take a guy like this off? Right. But you kind of have to, um, Brandon Ingram, CJ, Jonas, dude, like they are stacked to the gills with, with just strong, strong guys. Herb Jones. Uh, I think they could be a top three seed. Yeah. Dyson Daniels is Trey Murphy too. Yeah. Alvarado, like they they just have depth out the ass. Alvarado, yeah. Man. Okay, I like that top three. Okay, so that that's good because they I are. They'll be the three seed. Sure. All right, there you go. A, a top three seed, three at the minimum. I love it. So my thing with them is obviously health, but who is the last shot taker? Because is it just a Zion clear out? Let me get to the rim, like twenty thirteen Lebron kind of thing, or is Bi like you know? Is it a contested fadeaway? I personally gotta be Bi. Yeah, I personally trust B.I. in those circumstances. I think he's one of the most talented players in the league. I really do. And can, can that one-two punch take the next step? Can they become Jason and Jalen um, and be that consistent? Like Jason and Jalen like averaged like 52 points per game together last year. So does C.J. take a little bit of a back seat so these guys can get in rhythm together? Um, all right, I love that. So before we get wrapped up, the end season tournament debuts on Friday night. I'm going to try to go to the Bulls game. I can't remember who they play off the top of my head. Might be the Magic. When does it start? So what they're doing is it's pool play to start. So it'll just be regular season games and they'll play five pool or four pool games. It's five teams in each. pool. And I don't have my master's degree on it, but this is how I understand it. There's six pools, five teams in each pool. They will all play each other in the regular season. They will count against the regular season win totals, right? Whoever finishes first, I believe in each of the pools will enter a single elimination tournament. But that doesn't make sense because there's only six groups. Maybe the top two teams get buys or something like that. And then it's single elimination from there. So their version of March Madness, essentially, to kind of increase regular season viewership. And then the championship, I do know this. The winning team, every player receives $500,000. The second place team gets $200,000. So we are... That's cool. There isn't a financial incentive, really, to the NBA playoffs. So I think it'll be interesting to see if there's any difference in their play, in their style, and their commitment and intensity when there's money on the line. Like That's in a really light a fire under the ass of the teams that have a smaller payroll top to bottom, which I think was kind of the objective here. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, yeah, no, I'm uh, looking at the Bulls group right now. One sec. It is... Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets, Toronto Raptors, Chicago Bulls, and the Magic. Magic. So they play the so, Magic on Friday. That's the first pool play game. Okay, fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna try. To, I'm it's going to Chicago be- this weekend. I'm gonna try to go watch them play. See Levine and DeRozan in person, and then see Paolo and Franz for the first time, which would be pretty cool. So in season tournament starts. We'll be following it here on the microwave. It's been a great first episode, Barter. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, Beautiful. The NBA, the NBA is so fucking back, man. Like it's back. And I'm. Yeah, man. I'm gonna hop off this, and I'm gonna go and catch the. Uh, the Spurs game. Yep. Let's Spurs Suns. All right. Thank you. You're the man. Thank you guys for listening. We'll You're be back man. later this week with the NFL preview and then rent money as well. This has been the pop-off podcast. This has been the microwave for Carter Fairman. I'm Ralph Campiano. We will see you on the other side. Peace out. Yeah, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. <laughs> Y'all know who I am. Yeah.